0: Hello and welcome to JOSPT Insights, the podcast that aims to help you translate quality research to quality practice. I'm Claire Ardern, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Orthopaedic and Sports Physical Therapy. It's great to have you listening today. Thanks for tuning in for today's bonus episode. We're following on from our double header on running injuries, running shoes and running performance. We could not interview two experts in running and running shoes without talking about the shoe that's taking the running world by storm, the Nike Vaporfly. Dr. Nathan Brown and Dr. Matt Klein, runners and physical therapists, are back today. And I started by asking Nathan to walk us through the technology that's in the Vaporfly and what makes this shoe different to most other shoes that are on the market today.
1: When it comes to the Vaporfly, this shoe was developed We should say this, too. So as Doctors of Running, we've we test over last year, we tested over 110 pairs of shoes. These are shoes that are provided to us by running companies. We work with running companies to provide feedback on development, but we don't get compensated for those things. We do get sent the shoes for free to test, uh, but we don't have any like invested interest in any of these companies. When it comes to the Vaporfly, there's kind of this cocktail that went into creating it with the attempt of breaking the two-hour marathon. That was kind of the impetus for this. So they did a bunch of testing in, in Oregon. It's a really interesting story, which is worth worth checking out because it's fun. But the cocktail that kind of went into it is the type of foam that was used, the type of geometry that the foam was shaped into, and a stiffening agent, which is a carbon fiber plate that's put into the shoe. So the Vaporfly is going to have what's called a P-bax foam and... Within that is embedded this carbon plate that creates stiffness from front to back of the shoe. And then it's put on a ton of it. So you have about that 40 millimeters of stack height. And so those are kind of the the meat and potatoes of the shoe are those three components.
0: Folks who have seen the Vaporfly will, will notice that it looks a bit different, not completely different, but a bit different to many other shoes on the market, which is what you're explaining there, Nathan. So Matt, how much is the vapor fly likely to benefit my performance as someone who loves to run, but I'm not at a two and a half, much less three hour marathoner?
2: You know, we used to say we're not totally sure, but we actually are now getting a little bit of answers. so we got to give a shout out to uh, lab route runs on uh, Instagram who's done some really good small smaller studies on looking at what happens in a variety of different paces. So that was one of the biggest questions that we had previously. Is, hey, we have, you know, a lot of people coming in are not two-hour marathoners that want to use this shoe, right? That's not the typical consumer. A lot of people are going to be, you know, your two-hour half marathoner, your three-and-a-half, four-hour plus People going, do these shoes benefit me? And there is a small benefit at these at these other speeds here, but they tend to be most beneficial in terms of running economy, which means your efficiency, not necessarily your speed, but the evidence has mostly been done on your running economy your efficiency. And it tends to have the greatest benefit when you're usually running at faster speeds. So these shoes are very bouncy. Their rocker tends to really lengthen your stride. So there can be stresses on there that you may not be used to. I can say anecdotally in the clinic, some of the, the injuries that I've seen have been hamstring, hip flexor, just things that – because it's, it's really lengthening out. And it, the, the mechanics of the shoe tend to lo- unload the ankle and put more stress up higher. We don't have any evidence on that. We have no idea, mechan- like tissue-wise, what's happening, what the injury risks are. So is it necessarily going to improve your performance it might, but it's also a very aggressive shoe. And it's something I would encourage you when it especially when it comes to racing or like especially like daily stuff. If you're somebody who's just who wants to run because you want to enjoy it for mental health reasons or for health like physical health, we encourage you find the thing that's most comfortable, right? Because these shoes aren't always comfortable. They're very aggressive, they're stiff, you know, they're like very soft and unstable. So you know, and you also have to make sure your mechanics match with it, right? So there's a – it's very unstable. Do you have the intrinsic foot strength, the intrinsic hip strength to control that for X number of miles, right? Do you have the tissue capacity to handle the increased stride length and all this kind of stuff? So is it going to increase your performance? it potentially could but you have to ask yourself what are the risk factors and that's what we talk about you know sometimes having a comfortable shoe that's going to get you through your run or get you through your race might be more important than what is the, the what's being considered the fastest shoe because there's plenty of people that did that do really well If some of the original studies showed hey we're seeing these you know improvements that's why we're going to call it the Vaporfly 4% but what they didn't talk, what people don't talk about as much is that there were people who did not have performance increases in that study. It was an average. There were some people who actually had their performance get worse. So what we know is these shoes don't work for everyone.
0: So, Nathan, when when Nike says wear these vaporflies, when Nike tells me that if I wear their vaporflies, they're going to make me run the fastest I've ever run. I should have one eyebrow raised and think uh,
2: maybe. 100%. Right. It's like, what, what are you trying to sell me?
1: Matt touched on it, but there's so much individual response to how the how much this shoe can impact your running economy. And if benefit means running economy, it's it is relatively clear that in general, shoes constructed like this with these properties can help with that. Less so, so far at slower paces. But Nike's not also the only one, as Matt mentioned to Dustin Jobert. He's at Stephen F. Austin. He just put out a case series of 12 different runners using all of these different shoes, and he did the same testing through all of these different shoes. And there was a number of them that had a similar improvement in running economy to the Nike Vaporfly, the Nike Alpha Fly. The other one up there was A6 Metaspeed Sky. And so there's a lot of shoes out there that have these properties that could be used if that's your goal, if that's your goal.
0: They've also got cool names too, which helps when you're trying to sell something. Um, let's, <laughs> <laughs> Matt. What's on the horizon for running tech and sh- the technology in shoes? What can we sort of look forward to?
2: There's a lot of cool stuff coming that we've seen. Obviously, further optimizations as different companies. It, you know, we're I'm a sh- we're shoe geeks, right? So we geek out like anybody on some of like the racing shoes, having been a competitive runner. So there's some very cool stuff coming where companies are taking some of the lessons they've learned on some of these super shoes and they're, they're translating that into their trainers. So you're seeing newer foams, you're seeing different thoughts right now, which I get most excited about on the concept of stability and guidance. And that's something we talk about previously. The pronation paradigm was really big, but now you're seeing companies slowly start to move away from that. Again, not that it's bad for a certain group and ask, Hey, this preferred motion pathway, how can we help people line up, but also be comfortable with their mechanics, right? Instead of trying to force them one way, how can we help them get a smoother ride? So I think there's a lot of stuff coming on that. We've obviously got newer foams coming out. People are still tweaking with plates. So we're seeing faster stuff, but people are, I I think the other thing that's on the horizon that more people are starting to talk about is customization of shoes. And you're starting to see little bits of this here and there, especially with 3D construction, and things like that. But that's a big area that I, a lot of companies are working on. And I don't know if anybody's perfected yet, but as soon as that becomes marketable, it's going to be fascinating Watch shoes that are made for you.
1: I agree with Matt. I think that the rethinking of stability is probably the the biggest change where for the things that are offered on a daily basis to runners, they're, they're trying to create things that don't push a certain direction. They're trying to build shoes with constructions that allow your foot to do what it needs to do while giving it a little bit of assistance. And that helps using shoes as tools. I do think on the negative side of things, with the movement towards using some of these, quote, super shoe technologies in daily trainers, I think we will run into the question of what are all of these carbon plates and all of these shoes we run in every day going to do to injury profiles. And so I I do think that is something that's happening right now. And we're going to have to ask that question continually as clinicians. And then maybe the research will, will come along for the ride too.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of JOSPT Insights.